Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Community, and this is a message that I gave on Sunday morning, August 1st, 2021, from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 19. The thing that's been really interesting to me lately, it's something that I feel like in our times, maybe one of the most critical and important things that we could think about and talk about is this question. Who is the real Jesus? Who is Jesus really? I don't know if you're feeling like me, but I'm like, here's what I don't need. I don't need any cultural additives or subtractions from who Jesus is. That's right. I need the real Jesus. What is he really like? What does he really care about? How does he really see me? So I'm thinking a lot about that. And we're going to talk about this particular thing about the real Jesus, which is he is bossy. The real Jesus is bossy. There's no way around it. He's got a lot of opinions. He's got a lot of strong opinions. And not only does he want to share those with us, he wants us to do them, to see things his way and to do what he says to do. Um, He's got, he wants to boss us around. The real Jesus would like very much to boss you around. Thank you very much. Um, Like if you know, like the, the system would be like, if you're a student, he wants to be the teacher telling you what the assignments are, when they need to be handed in, and how they're going to be graded. If you're the player, he wants to be the coach, the one with the whistle in his mouth, deciding what the training is and what the plays are and what the game plan is. If you're the employee, he wants to be the boss, period. If you're a subject, he wants to be the king. He wants to call shots. Jesus wants to boss people around. Now, I have to be perfectly honest and say that when I hear something like that, I'm like, I don't want to be bossed around. Thank you very much. I want to do this my way. And so I'm just not going to check in very much. And um, if anybody else feels like that, now would be a good time to say, hey, uh, amen. Um, I've also been in that boat as well. Um, You know, I think there's, there's there's a whole lot of feelings that we have when we hear something like that. Jesus wants to boss you around. Before we do, let's kind of talk about specifically what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus wants to be the the coach, the teacher, the, the, the boss, the king, the shot caller over our lives. Well, the opinions of Jesus are specific. They are personal. They feel invasive at times. They feel very disruptive. They're specific, like really specific. Like in, there's a place in, um, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, hey, do not store up treasure for yourselves on earth. And everybody's like, yeah, I'm really just going to do that anyway. I'm just going to store up like a lot. In fact, we're going to call that uh, wise. We're going to, and he's like, no, no, no. I said, don't do that. Like, like specifically, he has very specific things that he would like to say to you and me about all that money that's in our bank accounts. And not just like an in general, like, hey, I want you to give some of this away. I want you to spend some of it on you. No, like he would like to be included in all of those decisions. Because the thing about it is, is that even though it's in my bank account or in your bank account, he actually says over every last dollar of it, it's mine. It's actually mine. You're not the owner of any of it. You're actually uh, a steward of it. You're a manager of it. And so he would like to be included in every single one of those specific decisions. And you're like, well, I haven't really had a lot of those conversations with Jesus in a while. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm waiting on that conversation. I'd like to talk about that. 
Um, there's, a, there's this place in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus sits himself down, like I imagine him grabbing one of those little camp chairs, and he sits himself down right in front of the box where people put money in. And it says he was watching people put money in. And then he goes on to judge people by how they put the money in the box. And you're like, dang, Jesus. Like, who else sits down and just watches how people put money in the box? But he, he just straight up did. His commands are specific. And it's about stuff like that. All that stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. All the stuff he said about feeding the poor and giving money. He means all of it. And he's very specific about it. The commands of Jesus are personal. Like, stuff that you're like, no, no, no. I don't talk to anybody about this. He's like, yeah, but I would like you to talk to me about it. They're personal. Like, he... Like all the way down to like your body and your sex life and what you do there with that. All the way down in the Sermon on the Mount, he actually takes it past your actions all the way down into your thoughts about sex and your body and all that. Like the, the commands of Jesus are specific. They are personal. They feel at times invasive. Like he would like to have uh, the right to boss you around about how you spend your time and what you input into your brain. Like who you listen to, what you fill your head up with. He said, you know, the, the evil that people speak, it comes out of their heart. And a lot of that comes from what they shove into their brain and what they listen through their ear holes with. Like what, what pundits you listen to and what articles you read and what Twitter accounts you follow. And he's like, I'd like to talk about those things. What cable news you watch, what you do with those hours after after dinner, before bed, he's like, yeah, I'd like to have those conversations. You're like, well, I don't have those conversations with Jesus. That's pretty invasive. That's my time. And he's like, okay, okay. The commands of Jesus are specific. They're personal. They can feel invasive. They can feel disruptive. Like there's relationships in your life. And Jesus would say, hey, if you would let me win, I would break that up right there. I would like to break up that little relationship. Or there might be some broken ones that he's like, I'd like you to actually repair that one right there. And it's like, well, that's kind of disruptive. That's not really in my plan. And he's like, hey, I really would like to be invited and involved in all of these things. And you're like, whoa, that's specific. It's personal. That's invasive. It's disruptive. And actually... When you look at Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Which means you can't really invade something that you already own. Like, he owns it all. Like, when I roll up to 104 Darwin and I'm walking up to the, that's not, I'm not laying siege to the place. That's my house. When I start my car, I'm not commandeering a, a vessel. I bought it. If you own it, you're not invading. It feels invasive, but he owns everything. It feels disruptive, but he's the one who is setting the plan from the beginning of time through now. Amen? He's not, we're not actually disrupted off of his plan. It says in Psalm 115, the Lord is seated in heavens. He does whatever he pleases. And so we get back to this thing of like, whoa, hold on, hold on, real Jesus, with all your opinions. I don't want to be bossed around like that. And I feel that. And I think if, if, if you were to ask me, like, well, why don't you want Jesus to be your boss? And I would say, because I think I know stuff. I think I, does anybody else feel like, I think I know stuff. And by the way, like, I think when, when my life gets tight, thank you, when my life gets tight, I'm like, I don't think anybody knows better than I do what to do with my situation right now. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the problem, of course, is uh, at 42 as opposed to, like, 18, 
I'm realizing like, I might not know as much stuff. Uh, you know, the, the phrase I usually use is, if you hand me the keys to my life, I'm going to run it into a ditch and wrap it around a tree. Like, that's probably what's going to happen. In fact, some of, the, some of the most painful, and I don't know if there's any amens in this room about this, but some of the most painful things that I've gone through, they were my br brilliant idea in, to begin with. Um, yeah. Thank you, brother. I, I think I know stuff, and so I don't want to be bossed around. And if you're sitting in that place, I would say three words I stole from somebody else. Keep on living. Keep on living. If you think you know stuff, just keep right on living. Um, we may not have gotten down to the bottom yet. Um, and maybe we have, and we just have to keep going down and learning it over and over again. Some people might feel like, you know what? I don't really want the boss, the coach, the, the teacher, the, the king. Look, I, and, and you might say, and the reason is not because I know everything, but because, hey, I've got some trauma. Like, I, I've had bad teachers. I've, I've had mean bosses. Anybody ever had a mean boss in here? I've had rough parents. I've had, uh, we've had inept rulers. Like, so when you, you're setting it up like this, there, there's like, I, I get triggered off of that, of like, I've had bad bosses and mean coaches and, and, and rough parents and, and inept rulers. I don't necessarily want to just hand over all these decisions like that. And I would, if that's you, I would want to say a couple things. One is, just as a pause in this moment, um, let's, let's talk sometime, because I hear that. I've got some of that myself. I'd love to sit down and just let you talk about it. If you need somebody to listen to it, I would love to listen. I know Potsy would love to listen. Tom would love to listen. Thomas would love to listen. And we, there's a lot of people in this room who would love to listen if you need to say some stuff about some of the stuff that you've been through. The other thing that I would say to you, if you're in that boat of like, I don't really want the boss and the coach and the king and the thing right now because I have a lot, I've had some bad stuff like that in the past and that triggers me. The other thing I would say is, as hard as it would be to believe, he's not like them. He's not like them. He's, he's brilliant and he's kind and he's filled with compassion and he knows what he's doing. And so let's have that conversation offline sometime. But I think that's where we come from, guys, right? It's like, hey, I don't want this king because I've been through some stuff or because I just don't want to be bossed around. Either of those things, that's the way I'm feeling about it. I want to show you guys something in Luke chapter 19, which, by the way, if you're turning there or if you just want to listen to me read it, it the beginning of Luke chapter 19 is where Jesus is in this town and everybody wants to hang out with Jesus. I mean, crowds of people, like happened a lot, crowds of people are all over Jesus, and people are probably wondering, like, where's he going to eat dinner? Is he going to go to the coolest person in town's house? Is he going to go to the most famous person in town and everything? And Jesus picks the most sinful person in town, the most hated person in town, plucks this dude out of a tree and says, I'm going to your house. And everybody's like, I'm sorry, what? Like, why would you go to Zacchaeus's house? Who does he, like, does he not know? Have you not heard? This guy is the worst. We all hate him a whole lot. Why would you do that? And Jesus is like, no, 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 that's, that's actually my whole gig is these are the people I hang out with. So they're walking back to Zacchaeus's house and everybody's following behind talking trash about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Hello. And, and Jesus, meanwhile, is talking to Zacchaeus. And while everybody else is talking trash, this dude's life is changing with every step. It's a private conversation. We're not invited into it. Wouldn't you love to have heard it? By the time, suffice it to say, by the time they get to dinner, 
Zacchaeus gets everybody's attention, clinks his glass, and says, I have been the world's biggest jerk face in the history of jerk faces. And everybody's like, amen. <laughs> and then he says, I would like to right now say I'm sorry. And I'm going to give everybody back anything, any way I ever wronged you. I'm going to give it back to you four times. And everybody's like, oh my gosh. And Jesus says, hey, everybody, in case you missed it, salvation has come to this house. Amen. This man, too, is a child of Abraham. And he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. By the way, I'm thinking, like, I don't know this for sure, but I... I, because it's not in there in Luke 19, but I bet you all of the money that is in that bank account that has my name on it, that as soon as Jesus said that bit about this too is a son of Abraham, that half of the people there pulled a face, like a real, like what? Like, like a mean face, like, like you have got to be kidding me. And I don't know that for sure, but I absolutely guarantee you it happened because of what happens next. Because Jesus was saying to them, this too is a child, this dude, this dude is a son of Abraham. In other words, I have accepted him back into the family, y'all. I would like you to do the same thing. I'm guessing everybody pulled a face because this is what it says next. This is uh, verse 11 of Luke chapter 19. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. So while they were listening to this thing he's saying about Zacchaeus, he went on to tell them this story. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, verse 12, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas, which is like bags of money. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. I'm going to push pause for a second and say, for those of you in the room who had the guts to say, I don't want to be bossed around, I just want you to say, I'm not accusing you of saying, I hate this man. Um, Jesus, even though that's what Jesus said in his parable. That I, we're not assuming. I mean, I feel that way too. I don't want to be bossed around. It doesn't, I don't think in my heart that I hate Jesus when I'm saying that. I just don't want to be bossed around. But this is what Jesus says. They sent a delegation to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Verse 15. He was made king, however. That's it. That's the whole lesson from the scripture today. He was made king, however. I don't want to be bossed around. He was made king, however. The real Jesus is the king, period, the end. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world who, and all who live in it. Psalm 2 says that all of the people of the world, they want to uh, throw off the chains and the fetters of the government of God and do their own thing. And it says in Psalm 2 that the Lord, the one enthroned in heaven, laughs at them. He mocks them and he says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. And he is going to inherit all of the world and all of the nations. And then guess what he's going to do with all of them that everybody loves so much and everybody's got so much national pride. He's going to dash them to pieces like pottery. There will be one king over one kingdom. End of story. He was made king, however. This is the weird thing. Okay. Jesus is the king of everything. You can't stop it. You can't get in the way. You can't undo that. And, and the thing is, is that he has the power to make every single person do whatever he wants them to do at any point, right? Like it says in, uh, in, over there in the book of Philippians 
that when he returns, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Nobody will have a choice. He has the power to, to enact that kingship in every life and every moment. The weird thing is he doesn't do it right now. Like he tells me stuff to do, like love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, you know, uh, risk, like visit the prisoners, uh, feed the poor, welcome the immigrant. Love them like you love your own self. And then people don't do it. And they somehow are not a greasy spot on the ground. He just lets them not do stuff. And you're like, why? Okay, if he was made king, however, and then he has the power to make everybody do anything, but I don't want to get bossed around. And so then I don't do the stuff. What's going on? Okay, this is what I think is going on. I said earlier, and I'm going to have to edit the statement. Um, I said earlier that here's the deal with the real Jesus. He wants to be the boss of everything. He wants to boss you around. That's not actually true. Um, it's not that Jesus wants to be the boss or wants to be the king. He is the king. Period. So the edited statement goes like this. And this is so exciting. I'm so excited to tell you, and I'm so excited for you to hear it. This is the edited statement. Not that Jesus wants to be the king. He is the king. The king wants to be your friend. I think that's the whole thing. It's not that Jesus is applying for the job of king. No, he got it. Read Psalm 2. There ain't no stopping it. He's got, he's got the kingship. He's going to dash the nations like pottery. That's, that is happening. He's not applying to be king. He's applying to be your friend. Okay, what do I mean by that? I want to talk about what it means to become friends real quick. Like, it's weird because when you're a dude... Um, you basically, like when you're a little kid and you're a dude, and I, don't, I can't speak for girls because I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I didn't do that, but like when you're a dude and you're a little kid, you, you just become friends with whoever's in your proximity. It's like whoever had the desk next to you, I guess we're friends. Like whoever your mom like puts you down in a swing next to, I guess we're friends. Like whoever had a locker next to you in football, I guess you're my friend. You don't even think about it. But then as you get older and you start to make new friends, People make friends like this. Here we go. You share experiences, right? Like you do something with somebody else or a group of people that nobody else did, and now you have a story for the rest of your life, right? Friends share experiences together. Friends build trust. You tell somebody a secret, they go tell somebody else at the middle school lunch table, and then you're like, oh, I can't believe you did that. You and I aren't friends anymore. You're on my list. So friends... You tell somebody something they didn't tell anybody, you find out they kept your secret. We're friends. Friends share experiences. Friends build trust. Friends develop love. They find out how, what it means that you and I tell each other that we love each other. Okay. I was thinking about this this week, and this is so exciting, I can't stand it. Um, I was thinking about this week, all of the times that Jesus and his guys had like the greatest stories that Jesus' guys had for the rest of their lives, all the coolest experiences that they shared together, how many of them, y'all, this is so cool, how many of those things started by a direct command from Jesus? Throw your nets on the other side of the boat. What if they were like, I don't want anybody bossing me around. I know how to fish and stuff. What do you know about it? You got a chisel and things. Like, what? we are fishermen. And he'd be like, Okay, you're going to miss out. Direct command from Jesus. They're like, okay. They throw their nets on the other side of the boat. Never forgot it. Never stopped talking about it for the rest of their lives. Everywhere they went, all over the world. We're still talking about it. They didn't have like a Twitter account. We're still talking about it. 
Fill those jars with water. If they'd be like, oh, no. But they did it. Water into wine. We're still talking about it. Have those people sit down in groups of 50 on the green grass over there. What? Hand me that kid's Lunchable. Okay. <laughs> what are you going to do with this? Never stop talking. All four Gospels. How many times did this happen? Roll the stone away. He's been dead. For no, he's been dead for four days. Roll the stone away. Okay. How many times did the coolest thing that ever happened start with a command of Jesus? And Jesus, what if he was just like, I want to share something with y'all. So look, I know you don't want to do this. I know you don't feel good about it, but go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Why? I've been blind my whole life. What's that going to do? Just do it. Seriously, do it. And then they share these experiences, things they never forgot. And then they would do something that Jesus said, and it builds trust about who he is. Hey, Peter, uh, instead, of, instead of seven times, why don't you forgive seven times seven times? Like, why don't you, why don't you forgive 70 times? Why don't you just lose count? And all of a sudden, a guy that was brash and hard became a guy who was peaceful and kind and gentle. And, and you read the letters he wrote as an old man, and you're like, you're like the sweetest guy ever. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing what this guy tells me, and I'm, he's earning my trust. It's changing my life. I was thinking about a time when, when Jesus told somebody to do something and they didn't do it. So Jesus heals this guy that was a leper. And he says to the guy, go show yourselves to the priest. And he's like, whatever. And Jesus is like, no, trust me, trust me, trust me. And the guy doesn't do it. Instead, he just goes and tells everybody about what had happened. And, you know, he's having all these great conversations. But if he had done it, the book of Leviticus says when you are healed of a disease like that, then there's this special ceremony that only gets done for you where the priest takes two birds and a little piece of wood that, from a cedar tree and a red string and a bowl of water and a knife and they do this thing where they, they tie up one bird's wings and the priest is like, that's you. You were all tied up. They tie up with the, with the red string. And then they take the other bird who's not all tied up and they, they slit its neck and, and, uh, and they pour the blood into this bowl of water. And then they put the wood, the little piece of wood in the bowl of bloody water. And then they set aside the dead bird. And then he takes the live bird that was all bound up and he, with the knife, he cuts the string, dips the bird in the bloody water, and then lets him go, and he's free. And he's like, I know you're not going to get it yet, but there's something about wood and blood and water and a red, just a red string coming down a plank of wood. And if you would do this in a couple of months, you're going to see something, and only you and I are going to get it. You should just do it. Jesus wants to share experiences. He wants to build trust with you. And so many things might come with the moment that, that he asks you to do some little thing and you don't understand it or you don't think it's a good idea or you just flat out don't want to do it. And he's like, oh, would you do it? Would you do it? Would you just do it? Friends share experiences. They build trust. They develop love. And this is a weird one because you might be thinking like, wait, are you saying that if I, if I obey Jesus' commands, then he loves me more? No, no, no. Cancel that. Jesus loves you infinitely. Like if you, if you caught like one molecule of it, it would, you would just, just come apart. Like you, you can't even handle how much Jesus loves you. Let's not even talk about that. No, you're not going to make Jesus love you more. Jesus loved you. He loved you when you were in the middle of your madness. Like 
You can't do that. What happens is, like the, the book of 1 John in chapter 5 said, this is love for God to obey his commands. It develops your love for him. And the reason that is, is because every command of Jesus, and it doesn't feel like this, they feel invasive and, and disruptive sometimes. They feel personal. They feel, they feel a little too specific. Every command of Jesus to you is about love for you. So when you do it, he's just saying, hey, I just want you to, I, I just want you to let me love you. I'm trying to give your life fullness. I'm trying to give you a different perspective. I'm trying to change your whole world. If you would, if you would do it, it's like you're letting me love you, and, and you start to love him more. Friends share experiences. They build trust. They develop love. The king is, it's not that Jesus is, wants to become king. He's king, period, the end, point blank. It's that the king wants to be your friend. He wants to share some experiences with you. He wants to earn your trust. He wants to develop your love for him. And it may be in something like, hey, that person that was really uncool to you, you should pray for him. Hey, uh, can we talk about that money a little bit? Hey, can we talk about immigrants? Can we talk about that? Um, hey, can we talk about can we talk about the way you feel about this person? Can we talk about that hate that's in your heart? Can we talk about these grudges? And it's not because he's mad at you. Jesus loves you. It's because he's saying, I've got so much more for you. When Jesus says don't, by the way, what he's saying to you is don't hurt yourself. When he tells you to do something, it's because he's got so much more for you. The king is installed in his holy hill on Zion. The king is the king, but the king wants to be your friend. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning and for the fact that you, you want to share some experiences with me. You want to have some moments with me. You want to earn my trust. You want me to develop, get stronger in the love I have for you. I'm praying that you would help me in some little ways and folks in this room in little ways to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to find out what it means. I'm going to engage you in some conversation. I'm going to find some red letters and I'm going to, I'm going to put some of them into practice. It may not be perfect. I may mess up a bunch of it, but I'm going to try this week. I want to because I have a feeling there's something you don't want me to miss out on. Thanks for loving us the way you do. I'm praying that you would show us and teach us what it means to love you back. We do love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All to Jesus I surrender.